And I'm reading from the New King James this morning, Mark chapter 16 and verse number 1. It says, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices that they might come, bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, notice verse 3, And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, you know, sometimes all you got to do is just look up. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. Who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. He was crucified. And they put him in this tomb. But he ain't here no more because he is risen. Hallelujah. See the place where they laid him. Go, go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. And there you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb for they trembled and were amazed and they, and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. I want to preach to you for a, for a little bit this morning on the thought, the stone is rolled away. The stone is rolled away. Heavenly Father, thank you today for the precious Spirit of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's been upon our worship and our singing today, for your presence here in this service. I'm asking you this morning for your anointing upon me as I minister the Word of God, that you will give me the words that you would have me to say, that you will open the hearts of each and every one here, Lord, and prepare our hearts to receive your Word this morning. And we will give you the glory and the praise for it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen, amen and amen. amen. Thomas Jefferson was, was a great man. He was... As many, most everybody probably knows, he was one of the founding fathers of America and he was our third president here in the United States. But there was something about Thomas Jefferson and that was he had one problem. He probably had more than one, but the main problem that Thomas Jefferson had was that he would not accept the miraculous element of the Scripture. And uh, he just refused to believe in the miracles that were recorded in the Word of God. So he came up with, actually came up with his own Bible and uh, his own special version of the Bible in which in that version of Scripture he removed all of the references to the supernatural and all the references to the miraculous he deleted from the pages of his Bible. And he only included, in the Gospels, he only included just the moral teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ in those Gospels and deleted all the miracles. So in the closing, in the ending of the Gospels, in Thomas Jefferson's version of the Bible, the, 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 the Scripture closes in his Bible with these words and says, There laid they Jesus and rolled a great stone at the mouth of the sepulcher and departed. And that was the end. That was where he left it. But can I tell you something this morning that today that is not the way that the story ends. I think we realize that there was a much different ending to the story than what Thomas Jefferson had said and what he had put in his version of the Scripture because the Bible records the fact in Matthew's Gospel that there was a great earthquake that took place and an angel came down from heaven and pushed that stone out of the way and sat on top of it. That that angel was filled with the radiance and with the glory of God and when those soldiers that were guarding the tomb of Jesus saw this angel in all of his glory and radiance that they 
they shook in their boots and they became as dead men. That's the way that it ended, my friend. It didn't end with just them rolling the stone over the tomb. But can I tell you that the tomb is empty today. The stone has been rolled away. Amen. Jesus Christ is alive. That's our message today. Of course, that's the message that we have every Sunday that we proclaim. That's why we worship on Sunday instead of Saturday is because we celebrate every single week the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. He is alive. He, he did raise from the dead. He arose from the grave. That death could not hold him and that tomb could not enshrine him or keep him. Someone made the statement and said, Easter says that you can put truth in the grave, but it won't stay there. And that's what they tried with the Lord Jesus Christ. They put him in the grave, they put him in the tomb, but can I tell you, he did not stay there. And that's the meaning of what we're celebrating today. That's what Easter's all about. It's not about colored eggs, and it's not about bunny rabbits, and it's not about egg hunting and I know the kids enjoy all of that. But what Easter is about, what this day is about, is about the fact that Jesus Christ is alive today, alive and well. Hallelujah. He went to that cross and he died, but thank God on that third day, just as he had predicted, just as the scriptures had predicted, he came out of that grave and he lives forevermore. In our text this morning, there in Mark chapter 16, it was early, early, very early on Sunday morning, just as the sun was rising, and here was a small group of women that made their way to the tomb of Jesus. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, I believe it said, and Salome, and there may have been some others that were with them, but this small little group began to make their way to the sepulcher where Jesus had been laid, and their spirits had been crushed, of course. They were facing discouragement. They were disheartened and they were defeated because their Lord and their Master had been crucified. They just wanted to see Jesus. They just wanted to see Him one last time and just honor Him by anointing His body for the burial with some spices and with some perfumes. And that's why they were on their way to the tomb early that Sunday morning. And as they walked that lonely path that morning to go to the sepulcher, to go to the tomb, while they were walking along and they were talking, it just suddenly dawned on them. They had a thought. It just dawned on them, what are we going to do about the stone? What about the stone that's in the, in the way and that, that was rolled over the mouth of that tomb? What about that? Who's going to roll away the stone from the tomb door for us? Because they knew that a huge stone had been rolled across the entrance of the tomb. And they knew that there was no way that they were going to be able to move that stone by themselves. That huge stone weighed several hundreds of pounds and uh, it would have to be rolled out of a rut in the ground that was holding it. It would have to be pushed up that hill and out of that rut in order for them to move it away, to open up the sepulcher for them to get in and anoint the body of Jesus with these spices. And all of these women together, they knew that all of them together, there was no way that they were going to be able within their own power or strength or ability to move that stone. And so as far as they were concerned, as far as these three women were concerned, this was going to be an insurmountable obstacle. It was going to be an impossibility for them to move that stone. So this was something that they were kind of stressed out about. They were stressing about it. It was, it was something that they discussed and they talked about on the way. Anybody ever get to thinking about things in the future, sometimes things tomorrow? You know, that's why Jesus said for us not to worry about tomorrow, but just trust him. He's going to take care of everything. And they were kind of stressed out about this. Who's going to move this stone? What are we going to do? How are we going to get this stone out of the way? But the Bible says that when they got to the tomb, verse number four says that when they 
got to the tomb, when they looked up, and when I, when I was reading that, and as I've been studying that this week, I'm, I'm thinking every time I see that phrase where it says, and they, when they looked up, obviously as they walked that path, they were disheartened, they were discouraged, and they were probably looking down. But when they looked up, they saw something. Amen. Sometimes we get that downward look. Anybody ever get that downward look? We need to learn how to look up. Amen. The Bible said, Jesus said, look up for, lift up your head and look up for your redemption draweth nigh. But when they looked up, the Bible said, they saw that the stone had been rolled away already. The problem, the thing that they were stressing over, the thing that they were worried about, the thing that they were concerned about had already been taken care of and the stone had already been rolled away. See, the resurrection of Jesus had already solved the problem that they were worrying about all the way to that tomb. Hallelujah. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't anything for them to be concerned about. It wasn't an impossibility because Jesus had raised from the dead and the stone had already been rolled away and the thing that they thought was going to be such a problem turned out to be no problem at all because the resurrection of Jesus had already taken care of the problem. Can I get an amen this morning? See, listen to me, folks. We all, all of us face uh, insurmountable obstacles in our life. All of us face those huge boulders that stand in our way. And of course, I'm speaking in the spiritual aspect of our lives. We face those situations in life that seem impossible for us to deal with, that we know that we cannot within our own abilities, we couldn't move them, we can't budge them, we can't overcome them. I mean, come at it from any angle, no matter how hard we may try, you can't get through it, you can't get over it, you can't get around it. It's just a, a, an obstacle, a stone that's in your way that you know that you can't move. There are bills possibly that you can't pay. There are grades that you can't make. There are people, God knows this is true, there are people that you can't please. Come on, somebody. There's sin that you can't overcome. There's temptation that you can't resist. There's a past you cannot shake. And there's a future that you cannot face. And the fact of the matter is that in and of yourself, you are not in any way, shape, form, or fashion. You are not strong enough to move those stones away and to move those obstacles out of your way. You can't do it. You're helpless in the face of those problems. But can I tell you, I have some good news for you today. There is somebody that can roll the stone of your problem away. There is somebody that not only can, but there is somebody that already has rolled the stone away. Jesus Christ in his resurrection has rolled the stone of your problem away. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. See, we worry about things and we stress over things that Jesus in his death and resurrection has already, I'm about to have, a, have me a spell here, that Jesus in his death and resurrection has already conquered, has already taken care of, has already defeated, has already overcome for you. But the devil tries to get us focused on the stone. He tries to get us focused on the impossibility. He tries to get us focused on the thing that, well, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what we're going to do about this. But just know this. Listen to me, church, that Jesus in his resurrection has already moved the stone. He's already defeated the powers of darkness. He has already overcome death, hell, and the grave. He has already overcome the world. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. See, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ powerfully impacted the lives of those who knew him. It, 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 it rolled, the resurrection rolled away the stones that hindered their faith and hindered their future. 
The resurrection of Jesus had a great impact on their life as it should you and I today. Are you with me? That the, the, what we're celebrating today, and I think I made this statement already, but I'm going to repeat it. What we're celebrating today is the greatest event that has ever taken place in the universe, in history, is the fact that Jesus died. And yes, he did die on that cross and he was buried, but he didn't stay dead on the third day he came out of the grave. All the power of God that raised him from the dead. It took, it took an enormous amount of power. The greatest display, I believe, the greatest display of the power of God was displayed on that resurrection morning when Jesus was raised from the dead and the stone was rolled away and he came out of that tomb victorious over death and hell and the grave. That is what it's all about out today. Can I get an amen? So the resurrection powerfully impacted the lives of those who knew Jesus. And it rolled away the stones that hindered their faith and that hindered their future. But there were some other stones that I want us to look at today. Some other stones that were removed on that resurrection morning. Amen? Some, some spiritual stones. That's some things that were moved out of the way by the resurrection of Jesus. And the first one that I want to look at, and I'm going to try to, 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 to touch on these as quickly as I can. But the first one is the stone of discouragement was rolled away in the resurrection. See, Mary and those women who came to the tomb that morning, um, we know that they were discouraged. They were heartbroken. They were devastated because they had placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They had put all their hopes, all their dreams had rested in this man whom they believed to be the Son of Almighty God. All their future, all their, their hopes were placed in this man whom they were expecting to deliver them from Roman rule. They were expecting him to, to usher in the kingdom age, to break the tyranny of Rome from off of their lives. And so they had put all their faith and trust in them. But then something happened. And that was that this, this man that they so believed in and so trusted was condemned to die on a cross. And he was hung upon that cross and he died. And not only when, when he died, of course, their hopes and dreams were shattered, but not only these women, but all of those who followed Jesus were disillusioned and discouraged. We talked last week about that great great crowd that met him there at the, uh, at the entry of the city of Jerusalem and how that they were waving those palm branches and they were shouting and praising him and shouting Hosannas to the king. But all of those followers, when Jesus then at the end of that week was crucified, they became so discouraged. Those two disciples that were walking that road to Emmaus, I believe, spoke for all of them when they said, we had hoped, we had hoped that he would be the one that would deliver us, that he would be the one that would bring Israel to the place that they are supposed to be. See, all their hopes and all of their dreams had been crushed right before their eyes. And I, I think that I'm talking to some folks maybe today that are in this service that may be in this same situation because all of us, all of us, I think everyone here has hopes and dreams in our life. We have things that we want to see take place in our life. All of us have hopes and dreams. Isn't that right? We, we hope for better things. We hope for a better future. God wants us to have a hope. Amen? He wants that for us. There's some people today that probably hope sometime to get out of debt. There are other, others that are here probably that, that hope for a better job or a successful career. And some that are here, no doubt, hope to see sometime or another to see that lost family member come to Jesus and be saved. Others maybe hope to be healed, to be touched by the Lord. You may be here today with an affliction in your body and your hope is for God to touch you and that some way, somehow that he will touch and heal your body. And so we all have various dreams and we all have various hopes but when those dreams are not fulfilled and when those 
hopes are shattered. And when it doesn't look like the thing that we're wanting to happen is going to happen, it is discouraging and at times it can be devastating to our lives. Can I get an amen? amen. The Bible even says in Proverbs chapter 13, it says that when hope is deferred, it makes the heart sick. And that's the very situation that these women were in. That's the situation that these disciples were in. All of the followers of Jesus thought it's all over. We had hoped that he would help us, that he would save us. We, he was the one that was to come and to save now. But now he's dead and it's all over. So they feel that discouragement in our in their lives and so when Mary and those others saw the risen Savior there was something that took place when they actually saw him there was a change that took place when he revealed himself as the resurrected Christ hallelujah as the risen Savior that changed everything because in John chapter 20 when Jesus showed up where they were and they saw him and they saw the nail prints in his hand and they saw the slid in his side where the spear had pierced him and he showed them his hands and he showed him he showed them his feet and the Bible says that then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord can I tell you the resurrection made a difference in their life hallelujah amen they were glad when they saw the Lord they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. They were thrilled when they saw the Lord. When they realized that Jesus was not dead, but he was alive, the resurrection and the fact of the resurrection rolled away their fear, rolled away their doubt, rolled away the stone of discouragement from their life. And it turned their sadness into joy and their mourning into dancing. Hallelujah. There's some of us here today could use a little of overjoying today. Can use a little gladness in our heart, in our life. Can I get an amen? The resurrection of Jesus made the difference. They went from discouragement to gladness. They went to, from sadness to joyousness. What made the difference? The resurrection of Jesus made the difference. In that moment, they went from their hopeless situation and from their depression to joyful, thrilling, overflowing exuberance in their life. And see, and that's what many of us need here today. And can I tell you, the resurrection will roll away that stone of doubt and discouragement. Praise God. And it will change the way you see things. When you place your faith in the resurrected Christ, it renews your hope. See, listen to me, saints. There's no reason here today for any one of you, for any of us, no matter what our situations are, there's no reason for us to feel hopeless and in that hopeless situation because that, that we're in a hopeless situation because Jesus is here to give us the victory over that hopelessness today. Amen? Hallelujah. Without him in our life, when we don't have Jesus, when we don't have hope in him and in the resurrection, then that will cause us to be full of disappointments and discouragement. But Jesus Christ and his resurrection gives us hope today for the future. Because if we can believe in his resurrection, we know that if God can perform that miracle and bring Jesus out of the grave, what can he do for us? There's nothing that he cannot do for you and I today because Jesus Christ is alive. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Amen? The old song says our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Oh, we got to look to the resurrection of Jesus, to the resurrected Christ today and let him roll away the stone of discouragement and despondency from your life. You can leave out of here today filled up with the joy of the Lord shouting the praises of the Lord and that is what God wants for your life. Can I get an amen? 
But the second stone that is rolled away by the resurrection is that stone of dread or the stone of fear, fear and dread. See, after Jesus was crucified, when he died on that cross, when they saw what the Romans did to Jesus, how they mocked him and beat him and whipped him and then put him on that cross and killed him on that cross, crucified him. Then when the disciples saw that, they were pretty sure that they were going to be next in line. I mean, they were followers of, followers of him. So they figured, well, we're going to be the ones that, gonna, uh, that's what they're going to do to us. So we read that those disciples of Jesus were hiding behind closed doors. Isn't that right? The Bible says that they were behind locked doors because of fear. Fear had paralyzed them and, and caused them to close themselves in. There was fear that gripped their heart and caused them to hide and not to come out of hiding. They shouldn't have had that fear, but they did. Amen? And you know, that's exactly what fear does today. There are so many people that are bound by that spirit and plagued by that spirit of fear. And fear will do that very thing today. Fear will paralyze you. Fear will paralyze your faith. Fear will neutralize your faith. Do you know that faith and fear cannot coexist and live in the same heart? Amen? Fear will paralyze your faith, but faith will drive out your fears. Amen? The Bible tells us over and over that we are to trust in the Lord and not be afraid. Amen? So when we put our trust in the Lord and really believe Him, that will do something about the fear that we may be encountering and be facing. But there's so many fears today. Somebody said, Somebody said recently that there's over 200 that the psychologists have, have, have listed over 200 different phobias or fears that people are being plagued with today. So many have a fear of failure or a fear of rejection. There's the fear of disease and the fear of death. But can I tell you this morning that fear is a prison, a prison of your own making that will keep you from doing what God wants you to do. And the Bible tells us something about fear and that is this, that fear is a spirit and that God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The Bible tells us also that fear, there's something else about fear. Fear brings torment into our life. And so fear is a tormenting spirit of the enemy that tries to bind you, that tries to to, to, to neutralize you and neutralize your faith. But can I tell you something this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that it is not the will of God. It is not. The will of fear is not from, oh, yes, there is a fear of God that is a healthy fear, but that's not a cringing fear. That fear is a reverence and a respect that we have for, for the Lord and for God. And can I say this? We need a little more of that fear of the Lord in the church and in Christians' lives today. But the fear that I'm talking about that paralyzes you and that neutralizes you is a spirit of fear that brings torment into your life. And God's not wanting you or willing for you to be tormented by that spirit of fear. But there are so many today, multitudes are living under that tormenting spirit of fear that are bound by that spirit of fear that need to be set free. Can I get an amen? The disciples, these disciples of Jesus that had followed him for three and one half years, that he had given to them power to heal the sick. They had been out and preached the gospel. He had given them the authority to cast out demons and to heal sicknesses. And here they were now. And, and time, listen, time and time and time again. How many times did Jesus try to prepare them for what was going to happen? And he told them over and over and over again. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be delivered into the hands of, of, the, of the people at Jerusalem. I'm going going to be crucified. I'm going to die. But on the third day, I'm going to raise up. I'm going to come out of that grave and rise again. He told them that over and over and over. But guess what? They were just like you and me. They just didn't get it. 
they didn't grasp it. Amen? Amen. That's how come I got to keep preaching and keep preaching and keep preaching. Somebody said, well, Brother Rick, I heard you preach on that before. You preaching on it again? I'm going to keep preaching till you get it. Amen. It's the way we learn stuff. But Jesus told them over and over again about how he was going to die, but it wasn't going to be the end. He was going to rise from the dead. But they just didn't grasp it. They didn't get it. So when he died, they should have been gathering together, praising the Lord and saying, okay, let's have a resurrection party. Amen. Because three days, let's count them up. Jesus said, do you remember what he said? He said, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth on the third day I'm coming out of that grave hallelujah hallelujah I've, I, I've got power to lay my life down and I've got power to take it up again I've received this from my father they should have been yeah they should have been sitting around saying okay this is day one this is day two today's resurrection day but the thing was they were like so many of us they didn't really believe they didn't really believe they really didn't believe they were filled with doubt and unbelief concerning the resurrection. So they cowered in fear and they hid themselves behind closed doors fearing that they were going to be the next ones crucified. But Jesus did something. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus did something. You know what he did? He showed up. He showed up in the room where they were where they were hiding out. He just appeared. He just appeared in the room and showed them his hands and showed them his side and showed him uh, showed them his feet and he appeared to them and stood in their midst and said to them, "Peace unto you. Peace be unto you. You know what he was saying to them? It ain't no time for you all to be cowering down with fear. I want to speak some peace. Brother brother Dan, that was that shalom, hallelujah, that he was speaking to them, peace to them. Can I tell you something this morning, church, that the resurrected Christ is here in this service today and he's here to speak peace. He's here to speak peace. He's here to speak victory in your life today. Hallelujah. He said, peace be unto you. And when Jesus spoke that peace to them, instantly something happened. There was a, there was a, a, a transformation that took place because when Jesus appeared before them, that resurrected Christ spoke peace to them, their fear was transformed to faith. Sorrow again was turned to joy. Defeat was turned into victory. All their fears left them because something made the difference. What made the difference? The stone. Come on, somebody. The stone of fear had been rolled away from their life because the resurrection made the difference. Fear is defeated. I want, to, I want you to get this. Listen to me. Fear in your life. Fear that has torment. Fear that plagues you. Fear is defeated today by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have anything to fear. Hallelujah. What is it? Somebody said, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. You don't even have to fear fear. Come on, somebody. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has rolled away. The stone of fear, the stone of dread has been rolled away by the risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Woo, that old song says, that old song says, because he lives. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Hallelujah. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Because of the resurrection, my life is worth living again. There was a time in my life it wasn't worth living. Let me tell you something. It was, if you don't know Jesus, your life ain't worth living. 
I've been down that road. I've been there. I dreaded to go to bed at night, afraid what had happened if I died in my sleep. I dreaded to get up the next morning, amen, because I didn't have anything to look forward to. There was dread. There was dread every day. My life was wrecked. My life was a mess. But can I tell you that one day I got acquainted with the living, risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he took away my fears and my dread and changed my life. And because he's alive today, I can face tomorrow. I lay my head on my pillow at night, not fearful, not worried about what will happen. What if you don't wake up in the next morning? If I don't wake up here, I'll wake up in glory in the presence of Almighty God. Hallelujah. No fear, no dread. Hallelujah. The resurrection has rolled away. Rolled away the stone of dread. Amen? Amen? See, whatever challenges we meet or obstacles we face, we don't have to be afraid because we are never alone. Right. That promise that he made after the resurrection, Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of this age. See, he's alive today. He's by your side. You are never alone. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is your very present help in the time of trouble and in the time of need. Amen? Amen. Elisha Hoffman wrote that old hymn that says, What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms, I have blessed peace with my Lord so near, leaning on the everlasting arms. Amen. amen. Jesus has rolled away the stone of dread. Can I get an amen? Oh, I've got to hurry. I don't ever have to worry about running out of something to say. I have to worry about running out of time to say everything I need to say. <laughs> I always over-prepare, but I'd rather stand up here full than I would to stand up here empty. Can I get an amen? But the third stone that the resurrection rolls away is the stone of doubt. The stone of doubt. See, when Jesus appeared in that room to roll away the stone of dread and, and doubt in the lives of the disciples, there was somebody that missed the, that missed the service. Yes. Yes. Thomas didn't attend church that day. Do you know you always miss out when you miss church? I don't know where Thomas was. It doesn't say, but for whatever reason, he was not there when Jesus appeared to the people, to his disciples. And he, he missed that meeting. And so when they, and you'll find it, I'm not going to take time to turn there, but it's in John chapter 20. You can read that chapter. But when, when Thomas showed up and got there, you know, they begin to tell Thomas, the Lord was here. He is alive. He has resurrected. We saw him. And they begin to try to explain to him and tell him. And, you know, here they are trying to get Thomas to believe something that they wouldn't even believe just a, just a few hours before because Mary, Magdalene and Mary and the other women that were at the tomb, when they saw Jesus and encountered the risen Christ, they ran to where the, his disciples were and they said, He's alive. We have saw the Lord. He's appeared to us. And the Bible said it, just like, it was like idle tales to them. They said, We don't believe that. These are disciples. These are the church folks. We don't believe that. So here they are now. Jesus has appeared to them. He's convinced them. The resurrection has them convinced that Jesus is alive. So now they're trying to convince the absent church member that Jesus is alive. And he's the hardest one to convince. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to take time to preach on that. So they begin to tell Thomas, we've seen the Lord. He's been here. And so Thomas, we know, was a skeptic. 
Thomas was a skeptic. He says, well, you all making that stuff up. I ain't believing that. Only way I'm believing that, I got to see it for myself. Nobody ever told us Thomas was a Missourian, did they? Got to show me. I'm not going to believe it unless I see it. You got to show me. Oh, the church is full of those kind of folks. If I see it, I'll believe it. Well, we got it just, we got the cart before the horse because you got to believe it, then you can see it. Amen? And so Thomas said, no way. I ain't believing that. Only way I'm going to believe that, I'm going to have to see it for myself. Not only am I going to have to see him, I'm going to have to see the nail prints in his hands and feet. I'm going to have to take my finger and put it in the nail prints in his hands. I'm going to have to take my hand and touch the slit in his side. In other words, I'm not going to believe it unless I see it and feel it. Amen. Oh, that's the way so many folks are today. They want to see it, they want to feel it, they want to handle it, and then they'll believe it. Well, see, that's not what faith is. Amen? But here, eight days later, eight days later, week, week, week goes by, and Jesus shows up there again. And, and, and there they are, all gathered together. And this time, this time, Thomas decided to be in church. And so the Lord shows up and immediately, immediately he calls Thomas out. Oh, hallelujah. How do you think old Tom felt about that? Amen. Here he had been talking about he's going to have to see him. He's going to have to feel all this. He wasn't going to believe it unless he sees it, unless he feels it. And Jesus shows up and he says, hey, Tom boy, come here a minute. Come here a minute. I got to talk to you. I got a little, I got something I got to talk to you about. And Thomas is looking at Jesus and Tom and Jesus says to Thomas, hey, you wanted to see me? Here I am. Hey, you wanted to, you wanted to put your finger in the, in the prints of the nails? Here they are. You wanted to put your hand in my side? Here it is. Thomas, go ahead. Go ahead. Touch me. Handle me. See that I am alive. I am resurrected. I am the risen Christ, hallelujah. I am he, hallelujah. Praise God, amen. Thomas just stood there and looked. It didn't say whether he touched him or not. I don't think he did. He just stood there and looked at him. And the, here's what he said. My Lord and my God. He was the very first one that's recorded that declared Jesus to be God, that declared Jesus to be deity. And I'm going to declare it today. Listen to me. Jesus is God. Hallelujah. He is divine. Hallelujah. Praise God. The Muslims got it wrong. Come on. Islam's got it all wrong. The Hindus has got it all wrong. All the false religions has got it all wrong. Hallelujah. Jesus is not just a good man. Jesus is not just a prophet. Jesus was not just a, a, just a son of God, but Jesus is the son of God, and Jesus Christ is God Almighty. Hallelujah. He's divine the Lord and God. Amen. Praise God. My Lord and my God. The resurrection moved the stone of doubt from, from Thomas's mind. And Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas, you have seen me. Because you saw me, you believed. But then Jesus pronounced a blessing and he said, Blessed are those who have not seen me, but yet have believed. You know why you're here? You know why you're in this service here at Abundant Life on this Easter Sunday morning? Because Not because you have seen Jesus with your physical eye, but because you believe that 2,000 years ago he died on a cross and he laid in a tomb and three days later he came out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
You believe in him today. You believe that he is the resurrected Christ and your faith in him will roll away the stone of doubt that stands in your way. Amen. Oh, let me hurry. Let me finish this message. I'm going to get to preach on this once a year. Well, I mean, in all of its fullness, we preach yes. about the resurrection all the time. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So if you need your doubts rolled away Come today, on now. if you're a little bit skeptical about what we're talking about, I challenge you yes, to believe, yes, to put your faith yes, in the risen Christ today. And all your fears and doubts will leave you today. He'll change your life. Amen? But number four, the stone of defeat. The stone of defeat is rolled away. I think everybody here knows what it's like to fail or to have a failure in your life. Maybe if there's somebody here that's never failed in any way, please meet me after church. I need to talk to you because you're a rare breed. I've never met anybody yet that has never failed in some way and especially that has never failed the Lord. I wished I could stand up here this morning as your pastor and say, you're looking at a guy today that has never failed God one time. But if I said that, I'd be lying to you because I know what failure is. I've experienced it. I know what it is to fail the Lord. I have I've failed him. I don't say that with any glee. I don't say that with any happiness. It hurts my heart to say that, but I know what it's like because I've been there and I have failed. And how many of y'all know that failure is not final? Amen. So, you know, you may be here today and say, well, yeah, pa preacher, I have failed God. Yeah, we all have, but your failure is not final. You, you, you may be sitting here today and you, you, know what the, you know the heartache of a failed marriage or a, the heartache of a failed career. Yes. You may feel like, I think all of us has, have at one time or another as parents that we feel like and we probably have many times failed in raising our children the way that we should have or failed as being a parent. I don't think there's any perfect parents and all the parents are to say amen to that. We do our best, we try, and how many knows, especially the day we're living in, if you're raising kids like, like, like Josh and Natalie and, and, and some of you others, you know, that have little ones, you, you got to have the help of the Lord in raising these kids. They need to be trained and they need to be raised in a church. They need to be taught the Word of God because there's an evil world out here and there's a bunch, there's a bunch of perversion out here that's after our children, that's after our sons, and our daughters and we better make sure that we're giving them the gospel and training them and teaching them what, it's, what is right and what is wrong. We've got to teach them that God, listen, I wasn't intending in going here, but listen, I feel that it must be said. We've got to teach them that God made male and God made female and that's the only two that there are. And if God, if God made you a male, you are not to change and try to be a female. If God made you a female, you're not to try to be a male. That does not mix. I know that ain't good, good, good popular preaching, but I can tell you that's good preaching whether you like it or whether you don't. Hallelujah. In that Garden of Eden, when God created them, he made them Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Can I get an amen? We've all felt like we failed as parents. That's why we have to have the help of the Lord in raising our children and teaching our children and, and setting an example before our children and our grandchildren. Amen? So you may have feel that you failed in that way, but we've all failed. But Peter knew. Peter knew what it was to fail. Yes, yes. The big fisherman, Peter. Uh -huh. yes. I love the apostle Peter. I love him. What a great man that he was. One day he stands up and makes the declaration. When Jesus asked, Jesus asked, said, who do men say that I am? 
They said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Jeremiah. Some say you're Elijah or one of the other prophets. There's all kinds of opinions about who Jesus was. But then Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say? And that is the question today. And everyone in this service are going to have to answer that question. Who do you say that Jesus is? We'll either answer that question in this life or we'll answer it when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. He said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He got it right on. He nailed, Peter nailed it. Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father is in heaven. And upon this rock, not on Peter, not on Peter. No, 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 no. No, he's not the Pope. He wasn't the first Pope. He's not the vicar of Christ. Amen. Come on, somebody. Upon this rock, speaking of himself, upon that, upon the revelation that Peter had that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon this rock I will build my church. So Peter makes the greatest profession of faith of any of them on one day. And then just a few minutes later, Jesus is rebuking him and saying, Get behind me, Satan. (laughs) And then Jesus tells them, All y'all going to forsake me. Uh Y'all failing. Y'all going to run away. Leave me. I'm going to go through this wine press alone. Y'all leaving me. Uh Peter said, (laughs) He reached in there and grabbed his suspenders. Not me, Jesus. <laughs> All these other dudes ain't close to you like me. You know, I'm one of the inner circle, don't you remember? Peter, James, and John, and I don't even think James and John's got quite as much as what I got. I'm kind of wondering about them. So I ain't falling. I'll never fail. I'll never fall. Be careful what you say. That's right. That's right. Ooh, hallelujah. Amen. Paul wrote about it in Corinthians. He said, let he that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. See, my, my dependence is not on me, my ability, my strength. But if I'm going to make it, I'm, I'm going to make it because Jesus is living on the inside of me and it's by his grace and by his power. And Peter said, not me, I ain't failing. Jesus looked at him and he said, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to deny three times you ever knew me. No, 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 I can't accept that, Lord, not me. But we all know the rest of the story, don't we? We all know the rest of the story that Peter did by sunrise that next day. Peter failed miserably. Peter had blown it. Peter had denied Jesus three times, just like Jesus said. The rooster crowed, and immediately he, he remembered the words. And one of the gospels says that as, as that rooster crowed, it said that Jesus looked at Peter. Mm. Man, what do you think that did to him? I mean, here's his master with crown of thorns, beaten to a bloody pulp, standing there tied up, condemned to die on the cross. And, and Peter's been standing out there telling everybody, I don't know him. I never, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm not one of them. And about that time, the rooster crows, and Jesus just looks at Peter. And Peter was crushed. And the Bible said that he ran out. He went out. And thank God he did. He went out and he wept bitterly because of his failure. He repented. There was a difference between Peter's failure and Judas's failure. Could Judas have repented and come back? Well, absolutely, but he chose not to. He chose to go the other way. But Peter went out and he wept bitterly and he, he, he asked for the Lord's forgiveness. But when Jesus was crucified, Peter's failure hung over him like a dark cloud. I mean, he was ready to quit. He, was, he felt totally defeated. He felt that it was all over. There was no way that the Lord could ever use him again. Right. But in the text we read to you from, John, from 
from Mark chapter 16. At the tomb, when the angel spoke to, to those women about the resurrection of the Lord, that angel specifically mentioned Peter. And he said, go tell my disciples and Peter. He, he called him by name. Have you ever noticed that before? It wasn't just go, go, go tell my disciples, but also make sure you tell Peter. You know why? Because Peter felt like he had no way back. He felt like that there was no way he could ever be a disciple of the Lord again, that he could ever be used by the Lord again because he had failed the Lord so miserably. But you know what? Even in the midst of that defeat, the Lord was telling Peter, Peter, you have failed. You have failed miserably. But I want you to know that it is not over. You've repented and I have forgiven you and I'm giving you a second chance. I'm giving you another shot at it. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm glad he's the God of the second chance and the third chance and the fourth chance. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. Peter got that second chance and he made pretty good of it. Amen. Because, because on the day of Pentecost, a few days into the future, here was the man that had stood and denied the Lord three times. But now here he is, repented and changed and brought back and restored and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And here he is on the day of Pentecost that preaches a, a pen, the first message of the church of Jesus to those people that day. And 3,000 souls are ushered into the kingdom of God and added to the church, I would say that's quite a comeback for a man who had failed the Lord three different times. Woo! Because the resurrection rolls away the stone of failure. I said the resurrection rolls away the stone of failure. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how, how, how bad you've been. Doesn't matter what sins you've committed. There's a resurrected Christ that died for your sins and shed his blood and he's alive today and will roll your failures away. Yes. Turn your failures into a success for him. Praise God. Do you believe it? It was a time in my life. I know what Peter feels. I know. Because there was a time in my life that I was where Peter was at. I thought, Lord, I've messed up. You can't use me. You can't use me anymore. I've made too, too big of a mess of my life. I just want to just to attend church somewhere. I'll cut the grass. I'll clean the commodes. I'll pull the weeds. I don't want nobody bothering me because I know you can't use me anymore. But oh, hallelujah, I thank God for the second chance. I thank God for the second chance that he doesn't leave us where we are but that he reaches down and says go tell my disciples and Jim go tell my disciples and Terry go tell my disciples and Jim and, and John go tell my disciples and he calls you by name and he says there's no failure too deep but what I can't pick you up and get you on the right road and on the right track and put you back where you need to be and use you again. And there may be some here this morning in this service that God has used you in the ministry in some area of ministry within the church but at one time but you failed the Lord and you're thinking no I can't ever come back let me tell you he is the Lord of restoration and the resurrected Christ will roll back will roll back and roll away the stone of your defeat and of your failure. Last of all let me close. Some of you are probably saying, well, thank God. <laughs> probably my wife is. She, you know, usually we're out going. Remember how the preacher used to say? Oh, boy, now, see, 
now I've messed up. <laughs> you know how the preacher used to talk about you having a roast in the oven? <laughs> Got to get home, get your roast out of the oven. Well, now we all go out, most of us, and eat after church on Sunday, so nobody has it. Well, today my wife's got a ham in the oven uh -oh. at home. And she's probably saying, hurry up so the ham don't burn. <laughs> oh, so you'll know who to blame it on. If the ham's dry, it, listen, if the ham's dry, it's because the preacher wasn't. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> I think that'd be a pretty good trade any day. Amen. Hallelujah. Last of all, in the resurrection, the stone of death, the stone of death is rolled away by the resurrection of Jesus. Since the Garden of Eden, death has been the arch enemy of humanity. For 6,000 years, death has stalked its prey with a 100% success rate. One out of one. That's the ratio. One out of every one people die. You ain't getting away from that. And so death has always, was always successful until, until Jesus Hallelujah. conquered death yes, in his death and resurrection. The Bible tells us, I don't have time to read it. I'm trying to close. You can read it when you get home. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 22 tells us that in Adam... All die in Christ shall all be made alive. All those that believe that is. But Adam's sin and his failure in the garden allowed death to claim every human life. But Christ in his death and in his resurrection nullified that claim that Satan had on humanity. Adam, what we inherited from our father Adam... We inherited death. Yes, yes. But praise God for the second man, the last Adam that came, the Lord Jesus Christ. And through him now we inherit life. Death, hallelujah, has been conquered. Death has been defeated. The stone of death and the tomb has been rolled away by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And life, real life, true life, immortal life, everlasting life, eternal life can only be found in one place and that is in Jesus and in his death and in his resurrection. And because he lives, so will I live and so will you live. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Jesus is alive and he has conquered death and conquered hell and conquered the grave. Hallelujah. And because of his resurrection, I'm promised a resurrection. Because of his resurrection and the stone of death is rolled away. Now you and I are promised immortality and a resurrection as well. Woo! For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him to meet the Lord in the air. Amen? And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Death is vanquished in the, in the resurrection of Jesus. He's the first fruits. Amen. Worship team, make your way back. I'll call them a hush. I want to eat a good juicy ham, all right? <laughs> Whew, glory to God. I feel this today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
every time, every once in a while, we'll, <coughs> we'll go visit Cape. Of course, our families are buried. Our families buried the cemetery at Memorial Park there in Cape Girardeau. My, my, you know, my grandparents are buried there. My mom and dad are buried there. Vicky's mom and dad are buried there. We have two children that are buried there in that, in that cemetery. And uh, occasionally when we're there, we'll always we'll go through sometimes, you know, and maybe Memorial Day or whatever and go through and put some flowers on the graves and just visit the graves knowing that they're not there. Amen. They're with the Lord. They all died in the faith, knowing the Lord, and, and they're with Jesus. But the thought always crosses my mind every time I'm in that cemetery. And I'm thinking, what a time that would be right now, right now for the trump of God to sound, for the coming of the Lord, which at that coming, at the rapture, the sound of that trumpet, the graves of the sainted dead, of those men and women of God, young people, whoever that died in Christ, those graves are going to open up. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, my mom and my dad and my grandparents and my daughters are coming out of those graves with a resurrected body, an immortal body. See, that's the resurrection rolls away that stone of death. They're coming out with a, with a resurrected, glorified body just like the body that Jesus had after his resurrection. The body of Jesus was not a flesh and blood body. It was flesh and bone is what he said. And it lived by the power and the glory of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of body we'll have. I've heard Brother Swaggart mention this and I believe this too. I believe one from the very first time I heard him say this, I said, I believe that. Too. I believe that. Because the Bible says that when we shall see Jesus, we shall be like him. Oh, hallelujah. For we shall see him as he is. And when Jesus died and was put in that tomb, he was 33 and a half years old. And when he rose from the dead, I mean, he didn't get any older. Somebody, you with me? Are you following me? He didn't get any older, but he res was resurrected. He died and was resurrected at the age of 33 and a half. That's eternal youth. That's the peak of your youth, of your livelihood, 33 and a half years old. So I believe, and I heard Brother, Brother Swaggart say this, and I thought, it makes sense. And you, you can believe it or not. It doesn't matter to me. I'm going to go ahead and believe it, okay? But that every child of God resurrected, even my grandma that was 93 years old when she went to be with Jesus, when she comes out of that grave, will be in her body as she was at 33 years old eternally young. Are you listening to me? I know you all looking at me funny. But we're going to be like him. I don't believe that in that I don't believe that resurrected body is going to have I'm, I will have brown whiskers again. Yes, sir. Praise God. Amen. There will be no bare spot up here, no yarmulke on the top of my head. Come on somebody. Hallelujah. I will be, you will be eternally and perpetually young for eternity, for eternity with an immortal body just like the body of Jesus that will never grow old, that will never die, that will never feel pain, that will never be sick. Hallelujah. I won't need those glasses anymore. You won't need the hearing aids anymore. Glory be to God. You won't have the false choppers anymore. You will be like Jesus because the stone of death is rolled away in the resurrection. Woo! Let's stand to our feet and praise him today. Let's stand to our feet and praise him today.